So here's the deal. A couple of days ago, I was offered a great business opportunity. It would be very simple work for me and it would pay me a lot of money. And there were, let's say, multiple reasons why it was a compelling offer. Obviously, lots of money and very little work that's easy for you. Those seem like pretty compelling reasons. And then you compound that by the person being the type of person that is on the ascent of being very successful and, and maybe well, very well known and a bunch of other reasons, right? And I rejected it. I said, thanks, but no thanks. And the reason why this is significant is that, or why this is interesting is that throughout, the, throughout my life, but especially over the last, I would say, seven, eight years, the amount of things I am saying no to is increasing. And that's not unusual as you become more successful or more well-known, you get more things offered to you, right? More opportunities come to you. That's actually quite common. And because you're busier and busier and you have so many amazing opportunities, obviously it seems easier to say no to opportunities that are just not that interesting or not that compelling or profitable. The thing that adds to it though is that, I mean, in the beginning I just started saying no to things where I knew this is worthless or this is going to be a waste of time or this is, uh, this is never going to work. But eventually I started saying no to things that did seem like good opportunities even to me, but were a bad use of my time or were not of the highest interest to me at the moment. Like I had to let you, the, the, the superpower of the most successful people usually is that they're very good at saying no, that they're very good at picking and choosing how they're going to use their time, right? Because that's the, that's the thing, doesn't matter how many billions you have, you have the same amount of day that everybody else has. So you have to be very careful on how you deploy your time, right? And you value your time more and more and more. You're less wasteful with it. All those things are, are normal. I think that just in the last two years, I've started saying no to things that I would never have said no to before. Like things that are now not rationally explainable anymore. Like where I can't just say, I know this is going to be a waste of time, or I know this is not going to pay enough, or I know this is not this, or this is not that. Now I just say no to things because it's not going to be fun, or it's not stimulating, or it's not creative, or I don't like the person. Like I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't want to spend time with this person. And I was talking to Sophia today about this. And the one hand, he was agreeing with it and like kind of like, oh, that's so awesome, yes. And on the other hand. Anytime I tell some something along these lines to him, there is a thing that pops up within him that's all about like, yeah, but you can also afford it. Like once I'm as successful as you, I would also do this, right? Because you're so rich. And as we were talking, I was like, is there any amount of more money that you can have that would make you proportionally happier? And he had to agree that no, he already is rich enough. Like he's making good enough income that, and he's not spending most of it, that even more income will not make him even more happy, right? And there's this famous study, anything about 75K in annual salary is not directly impacting your happiness anymore, right? All the way up to where you, where your survival and your basic needs are not addressed anymore. Anything more is nice, but it's not materially impacting the quality of your life in terms of your happiness sustain, in a sustained way. So, so it was like, oh, maybe this is also true for me. And then the one math that I made for him that I, that I think that people don't take into account, I didn't take into account enough, and now I do it more and more and more, is 
the math that we just look at the how much work is it and how much money is it? Like in my case now, like I'm just giving this an example. I know that everybody doesn't get a, a bunch of emails every day offering them lots of money, right? But even in this example, like for him, I was telling him, hey, what if somebody offered you 5,000 bucks per hour of coaching them and all you need to do is coach them twice a month for 10 grand, right? That seems like an insane amount of money, right? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, would you have to say yes to that? He's like, well, that would be much harder to say no to. I'm like, all right. I'm not saying that any, everybody should say no to this. I'm just saying there's a lot to consider that is easy not to consider. Number one is, do I really need the money? Like, just because, I mean, this sounds crazy, but just because somebody offers money, we don't have to say yes to that, right? Like, I mean, if I offered you money to have sex with you, this would be ridiculous. It doesn't matter if I offer you money. You're like, I don't want to fucking do that. But if I offer you the same amount of money to have business conversations with me, although you thought I'm an idiot and you didn't want to have the, these kind of conversations, it would be much harder for you to say no to me because you're like, well, it's a lot of money. And even if it's an activity I don't like, maybe I should just say yes and endure it. It's not that bad. It's just an hour, right? Like we rationalize this. There's a fear that we have that we should never say no to money, right? That some bad thing will happen. Like fucking Poseidon is going to come and fucking throw some kind of a lightning dart in our ass if we ever said no to money we'll lose our money tomorrow and then we'll be like oh my god why did i say no to that money right that was so, so good that's one the other thing is do you want to do this is this gonna add to the quality of your life is this gonna make the main work that you do the main mission yet you're on the main business the main profession is it gonna enrich it in some way or is it gonna diminish it in some way and then we're always just thinking about the activity as like an hour, for instance. Oh, this is just going to be an hour of coaching that I do with somebody, some asshole that I don't like. But it's just an hour. It's just an hour is the problem. It's that way of thinking. It's just an, it's a fucking hour. And it's not just an hour. You have to consider how would I feel at the end of this hour? Will this hour bum me so out or burn me so out on energy that I will maybe not be able to work for two or three hours afterwards or be productive at least or do really amazing or really creative work. Most things impact us and they impact us beyond the time frame that we're engaged in them, right? They either inspire us or they depress us or they drain us or they motivate us or whatever. So asking ourselves, how will I feel during that hour? And how will I feel afterwards? How will this affect the tone of my day? How will this affect my emotional state? How will this affect my state of creativity, right? Or optimism or whatever. Like, that's something we rarely think through. And then on top of it, I was telling, like in that fictional scenario where there's some asshole person that's paying somebody 5K to do an hour consulting, I'm like, all right, so you're like, it's just an hour. But maybe every time you talk to that person, for the next couple of hours, you're just in a bad mood because it just it is it is draining to talk to people we don't like. It's draining to spend time with spend time with people we don't like. And then, what if that guy is sending you emails? Like the maybe you just talk with him for one hour, but the next day he sends you a quick email with a question. Two days later, he texts you some dumb joke that you hate. But now you're in this wheel. Now you have to. This is your client. You now have to respond to these messages. You now have to laugh about these bad jokes because you want to. Now you're like addicted to this money that you never needed in the first place and didn't even want. You didn't seek it out. It just was offered to you, and just like a 
a mental slave, you're like, I have to, I guess I have to say yes to this. Now, this person is in your life. And it's not just affecting you in that hour. Maybe that person texts you every other day, emails you, has questions, wants this, wants that. Now, you're associated with that asshole. That asshole maybe walks around and treats customers like shit, employees like shit, treats investors like shit, and tells all of them you're his friend and his mentor and he's learning everything from you. Boom, beautiful. Now, your reputation is fucked because people associate you with an asshole and think that you're also that kind of a person. And it's not just all that. It's the question we always, like, it's very easy to think about like, here's an hour in my calendar that's empty. Hence, it has zero value. And I could add a calendar event here that says consulting or coaching. And then I would make five grand in that hour. So it's zero grand, zero money, zero dollars versus $5,000. But that's not true. What else could you do in that hour instead of nothing? I mean, maybe nothing is exactly what you need if your whole calendar is full. Maybe rest and, and, and rest is what would you would really would help you sustain your pace of hustle and work. But what if you use that hour to do something that you truly love, that you're truly passionate about, but that you never have time for? Think about this. Like people, people, people would say, dude, my calendar is so packed. I'm so busy. I have no time for nothing. Can I offer you 5K? for two hours of consulting coaching and people would go, yeah, I mean, I can, we can easily find two hours. I mean, two hours is not that, that bad. All of a sudden, magically, we can find two hours, right? When there's a will, there's a way. Of course I can find two hours for 5K. And that's, all right, motherfucker, what about that book writing project, that book you always wanted to write? What about that blog you always wanted to start? What about that startup SaaS product you wanted to build? That for months you've been saying you don't have the time. What if you took those two hours or that hour or whatever it is, instead of giving it to some asshole to make a little bit of money that you're going to put in a bank account and not touch anyways, it's not going to make you happier. What if you took that time and invested in something that was truly important to you, meaningful, and that you are not easily, that you're not pressured into taking time for? What if you did something creative during that hour? And then Sophia was like, huh. What if in that hour I did every week, I did a podcasting episode with you and we invited cool people. He's like, think about, oh, what if in that hour we called a friend and we encouraged him to start his, psycho his psychedelic retreat company, which is something that Sophia and I have done, right? And then we, we were just brainstorming about the impact that some of the time had that we spent together recording podcasts, talking about friends, calling them, inspiring them to do things. I'm like, think about a whole year of doing that for an hour every week versus doing that coaching call with some asshole every week. And yes, cool. At the end of that first year, you, you maybe you've made 120 grand addition. That's financially is amazing. I'm not saying that that's also, I'm not saying that nobody should say yes to money. Like maybe coaching, that person would be awesome. And it's an awesome client and you love coaching. Then motherfucker, go coach, right? I mean, that's not the point. The point is that we say yes to things because they're offered to us and we think we can't but say yes because it's quote unquote such a great offer. And we, and we look at things and do the math in such a short-term fashion. Well, it's just an hour. And by the way, I gave that whole speech to Sofian. The only reason I, I mentioned the whole like me saying no to that lady. And then we I went into a speech about just doing an hour for a couple of K and the ramification of it is because he's doing that all the time in my observation, but in different ways, not by somebody offering him coaching, but it's like, I'm asking him, what did you spend your day on today? And he's like, well, I spent three hours putting together an onboarding 
documentation checklist thing. And I'm like, well, why isn't some employee on the team doing this? And he's like, well, they're all not experienced in onboarding. I'm like, well, why don't you just send them a few blog posts? There's a bunch of great blog posts on how to do an onboarding checklist. And then why don't you just review it once they've done it and give them feedback? That way they'll learn how to do this shit. He's like, well, I can do it faster if I do it myself. And in my mind, it's like, this is a cardinal sin. We've all made it. I've made this mistake a million times. Like delegating is hard. Like I'm not, I don't want to like, it's not about singling him out, although I love to do that. He's a good friend of mine and he's, he's a terrible entrepreneur, obviously. But it's he does these things so much. It's like, oh, I, I go and I repair this part in one of our shops. It's like, why doesn't somebody else repair this? Well, because I know how to do it and I can do it quickly. And and then he always tries to justify it by like, I, I don't mind. I have fun. I like doing the spreadsheet stuff. I like doing this stuff. It's not a big deal. Like two hours, I had a good time doing it. And what he doesn't take into account is the opportunity cost of that work. Opportunity both for him to do something much more valuable and more enjoyable and more creative, and also the opportunity to help others get better at things and challenge them more versus micromanaging and doing things that are way below his pay grade. He could create a lot more value for his business, doing a lot more difficult things than uh, copy-pasting checklists or creating spreadsheets that anybody else could do. If he gave them a little bit of guidance. And yeah, maybe he has to coach. Maybe it'll take him multiple editing rounds. And if he just does it himself, it's faster. But nobody learns anything. And everybody's always going to be relying on him doing all the fucking work, right? It's a typical example. Like everybody does that. But the one of the cardinal sins is this not valuing yourself and your time enough to consider all the hidden costs of your time. All the things you could do with that time all the indirect impact that the time allocation has, right? It's your hour, my hour of talking to you, Ramin, and us recording for the Inner Work podcast has positive implications because I know after our conversations, I'm always more energized than before. After the recordings, I'm always more energized, more excited than before. That's valuable to me. That's valuable to my business. That's valuable to my employees. That's valuable to my business partners. That's valuable to my family. It's valuable to lots of people. Steli with more energy is everybody's benefiting from that. Like a lot of people benefit from me feeling more energized. Me being more drained. Now that has ripple effects and costs. That hurts a lot of people. That hurts my business. It's all kinds of things. So I have to be very careful to consider anything and everything that I do is this going to make me more energetic and give me more energy? Is this something I'm excited about? Is this helping me, my business, the people I really care about or not? And if the answer is or not, it does not matter how much money it is. I'm rich enough to say no because honestly, more money. And I've done this many more times in the last two years than ever before where I've said no to money, to good money for quote-unquote, easy work for me, things that I can easily do, like talk for an hour, give people advice, right? Scream at them about what they do wrong. That's not difficult. Sometimes it's even pleasurable to me. But I've said no, not because I'm above it or I'm so, well, I, I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not wealthy beyond the point where I can get broke, right? Like where I could be broke again very quickly. But it's that I am now even more careful with my time and I value my time even more. And honestly, also, to be fair, it's also the experience that I've had a couple of years where I was already making a good salary, a good living, but I was saying yes to all kinds of extra hustles. 
right? Maybe the, the memory of being broke was much, much fresher because I've been broke for the big portion of my life in many different flavors and varieties of it. But I would say yes to like, oh, could you do a, a webinar for our startup incubator? And I would say, well, I don't do these webinars anymore unless you, when you do the, the one tactic is to put a price tag on it that's so high that if somebody pays it, you do it because you're like, oh shit, somebody really wants to pay that much. And I'm like, you know, if you pay me 5K, I'll do a, a, an hour workshop or 10K, I'll do an hour workshop. And lots of people would say no. And then lots of people would say yes. And I'd be like, oh shit. Okay, I guess I'm going to do this thing. And then I would do it and I would be sometimes drained, sometimes not. But here's what I never got out of any one of these kind of little engagement hustles and things. I never got any, any happiness out of the money I made, right? Like I gave a talk, a keynote once. Best, I only once got paid this much money, but I got paid $25,000 to give a one-hour keynote once in my life, right? This is not what I've gotten all the time. I never got that much except once. And here's the deal. I never had less fun at a keynote. Like it was fine. It was not bad, but it was like, there was no fun involved. I just gave my keynote. People loved it. It was whatever. But I I never touched that money or did anything with it. It never made any, it just went to my savings account. There was something I was trying. I remember trying to make myself feel a little happier mentally by telling myself, wow, this is a new milestone. Steadily be happy. Wow. Isn't it insane that people value you so much, they pay you so much? Be grateful. Feel gratefulness, appreciation. This is a special moment. This is something your younger self would have been crazy about. And not to say that any of these thoughts are, are incorrect. All of this is correct. But you could you could hear in the way that I'm recreating this that I was trying, I was working hard mentally to make myself feel something because there was no feeling involved. That's also something, something else even where now when you look in the mirror, you're like, I, I'm the kind of person who chooses. And if we stay with a coaching example, right? Who chose for 5k to spend an hour with an, with somebody I really dislike doing shit. I hate, right? You kind of, there's an, it affects your identity. Identity. Yeah. Yeah. When you say no, for the right reasons, obviously, it influences your self-image, right? It makes you feel a certain way about yourself. You're like, I have so much dignity and self-worth that I had the courage to say no to something really good. And, and, but when you don't, you feel kind of shitty because you're like, I kind of hoard myself out for something I don't like and don't want to do for money I don't need and I won't use for anything, right? What is the purpose of this? Why am I doing this? And the only it's, it's very poor, actually. It, it is a poor yeah, attitude. Yeah. yeah, it is a poor attitude. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's an attitude of somebody that's like I when somebody offers me money, I don't have free will anymore. I'm not a free human anymore. I have to say yes, obviously. For money, I have to do things. And if it's lots of money, I have to do almost anything, no matter what I want. And it's a very poor attitude. It's beautiful the way that you, that you uh, framed it. And vice versa, when you can say no to money because it won't make you happier, it won't make your life better in the long term, you are truly rich, right? I'm truly rich. I'm rich because I can afford to say, well, I can afford, I choose to afford to say no to money. And it's not just with these opportunities. I mean, there's, there's other areas in my life where I could have tried to participate in things like other startup founders would invest in certain projects or get excited about making more money with more money. And I've seen a lot of people 
make a ton of money investing the money in certain ways that I did not understand and was not passionate about and then chose not to participate in. And I could have made a ton of money in certain areas. Like Bitcoin is a great example where I had a, a good amount of friends that put a lot of money in Bitcoin and we're super passionate about it and we're making some money and we're talking about it all the time. And I considered, should I invest money in Bitcoin? And then I asked myself, do I know anything about it? No. Am I passionate about it? No. Do I have some kind of original thesis on how this works? No. I'm like, well, why would I do it then? Well, because everybody else does it. Is that a good reason? Is it going to stress me out? Will I then have another homework assignment? Now I invest in Bitcoin. Now I need to know where Bitcoin is and what it is and how it works. And, and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't care. And honestly, not to say that there's not funny money moments, like funky moments where I just laugh and do some math on like what better a customer once uh, remain in the first year of close. There was somebody that wanted to pay us uh, for like a whole year of close for like, I think $8,000 uh, worth in Bitcoin. And we did discuss it internally. And I think we'd said yes. And back then, Bitcoin wasn't even worth a dollar. Right. So we're talking about like around 10,000 bitcoins. Right. And yeah. this would, this would be worth significantly more. This would be an insane amount of wealth. Right. Insane amount of wealth. And I think the, 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 the final stages, the guy, I don't remember what it was. We're not super thrilled about taking bitcoin, but we're also super against it. We're kind of like oblivious to it. Like, ah, we don't care. And then he sort of just, for whatever reason, didn't pay us in bitcoin. But that's just one example of many others where I could point to a situation where I was like, well, I could have made, could have, could have, should have, would have 50 million. If I had done this, I could have made all this kind of money. If I'd done that, there's many, many situations in my life where I've lost fortunes, if you want so, because I didn't act. And it doesn't matter. Like this, this doesn't matter because it would not make my life better if it was different, right? Would I like to like, do I like to make money? Yes. Do I like that my business is successful? Yes. Would I like to have a, like if my passion for fighting would translate into an additional hundred million? Yes. Fuck yes. You bet your ass it would, right? Like I'm not against making money or making more money, but I'm against doing shit that I would not like that would create stress in my life because everybody else is doing it. And I've chosen in many areas of my life consciously to say, I'm going to probably make less money in this it, 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 this way, but it's going to make my life, fits my life better because this is something that doesn't add quality to my life. This is not something I'm excited about. This is not something I want to spend a lot of time worrying about or thinking about. And so I would just do it because everybody else does it or just do it to make more money. And I don't need more money. I, I want more quality of life. I want more excitement. I want more creativity. I want more adventure, but I don't necessarily need and want to maximize as much, to make as much money as possible. I'm not chasing to become a certain number of richness. And again, this is easy to say once you don't have existential fears anymore. But the reality is that anybody that would ever listen to this podcast probably does not have existential fears, right? Like I, I know what it means to live in public housing and grow up pretty low income, like pretty poor in some ways. I know what it means to have, like, literally, this is like movie type shit, TV show type shit, to have gas, water, and electricity shut off from your apartment because you couldn't afford rent, right? I told this story many years at my TEDx talk about my brothers visiting me in San Francisco after six years of not seeing me, first time in America, and then they were all sleeping in their jackets 
because there was no electricity in the apartment. Like I've eaten some shit in my life. But even then, even when I was like not making any money for six years, not earning a penny and like just struggling financially, I was not existentially afraid. I could have always flown back and lived with my brothers or my mom or somebody and found a job and did some sales and I would have made some money. Like I'm not saying you have money in the bank or not. I'm saying you have existential fears where your means of making money are not there are not many available means of you making money or none. That camp, you're fighting for survival. It's a totally different game. But if you're past that point, if you're like employable, if you could have a job, if you've studied, if you've had a career, if you've been an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter if you've made money or lost money. If, if you can make a living, then it's all a mental game of asking yourself, how much am I worth to myself? And how much do I want my t- worth to give to my time? And funny enough, this, this, the, there's always the same paradox where people feel, well, once I get to this point, I will then be able to afford to do X, Y. But you have to act in that fashion to ever get to these points. To ever feel rich, you have to have the courage to say no to. And there's people that are much richer than me, but they are much poorer in their attitude. They're much more slaves to money. They're much more afraid about losing what they have and not making more. They're much more stressed about others that have more than them. So it's not just about the total net worth that you have or the total amount of money that you have in your bank account. It's also about the way you, the way, the self-worth that you have. I read a quote recently. Let's maybe end on this. What's the name? Ryan, what's, what's, what's our dude, the author that writes all the stoic, stoic shit? Holiday. What a great name. When you, when your name is Ryan Holiday, how could you not have a good life? Right? How could you not live a good life? Think about the tragedy of being called Ryan Holiday and having a terrible life. Right? Ryan Holiday should actually be like a comedic actor that plays like Eddie Murphy type movies, like the feel-good family bullshit comedies. Like Ryan Holiday would be the name of an actor that was immensely successful in like Adam Sandler movies, right? Ryan Holiday. How could you not? Be happy when your name is Ryan Holiday. Now, I, I, I don't think that Ryan is like the super happy deppy in his, in his temperament, but he has a, a very happy last name. I have to say Holiday is great. There was a, a thing. He always tweets. Great, he has great quotes, right? I mean, Ryan Holiday. If I was as determined as I used to be with quotes as I was in, the, in my daily sales motivation days, I would be competition for him, but he's he's fucking he's put in the work and he's been consistent. He's probably the best tweeter of quotes out there, right? Do you know anybody better at tweeting good t- quotes? No, I, I I don't I don't I don't really know his quotes that much. You either. don't know his quotes? Well, there you go. Well, although I, he, I read some of his books and I was like, eh, it didn't live up to my like what I it's not my jam totally. So yeah, but you have very high standards. You have very high standards. That's why you work with me and you're constantly inspired. It's too high. Yeah, I'm sure. See, the, the funny thing is I can talk shit like this. And just because I'm a relatively nobody, like this doesn't matter. But eventually these conversations come back to bite you in the ass in the internet. But I could not care less. Anyways, he did this amazing quote. I cannot find it right now. Like, fuck it. I'll find it later. But there was this beautiful quote about... If it went something along these lines of, if I lost all my money, it would take with it nothing but itself. And I thought that was like really powerful. Like my money is not attached to anything but itself in my life. I was like, that's a badass fucking quote. 
a man like that's a bad man that said that and 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 i'm not there yet i don't like i like in theory in my mind i don't give a fuck if i lost everything but i'm not sure how that it would really feel i definitely know said it again i said you didn't get that punch in the face not i mean i got it when i had less money right i hadn't got i haven't gotten it yet and i'm not planning to like i don't necessarily want to but I know that I'm a lot less attached to my money now that I have more than at times where I had less. Yeah. But not I'm not talking about less when I had money problems. When I had like money, but not as much as now. I'm not more attached to it. And my also I've always paid attention to like my lifestyle has not like gone crazy just because I think that my also it's a net there's also a funky thing about net worth is something I, I think a lot of people love to count their net worth just like in the, in the first bubble i i had hired in my when i was doing financial services back in germany i'm 18 years old i'd hired a 45 year old man in germany to do sales for me that had 1.1 million euros in debt with his bank i think they had brought him down to he had only to pay back i don't know half a million or something this guy was making 45,000 a year in salary and when the first internet stock bubble happened he started investing in a bunch of stock all his stocks obviously went up and then his bank allowed him to to buy options and to like take credit because his portfolio was worth so much money he could use the worth of that portfolio to borrow money to buy more stock and at some point he had told me his stock portfolio he's a guy that makes 45k a year in his stock portfolio was worth 3 million, right? And then these stocks that were trading for 600 euros a pop crashed all the way down to 1 euro and 10 cents. And all of a sudden, this poor dude was owing the bank 1.1 million, right? Like with a 45k salary. Right? He went from a multimillionaire to being like broke, really, really broke. It's that sort of shit that people don't take into consideration where it's like, even with Bitcoin, we were joking about this earlier. There's somebody today that could be like a a Bitcoin, be worth 40 million in Bitcoins, theoretically. And let's say tomorrow comes the biggest Bitcoin crash of all time and it crashes down to like, I don't know, 100 bucks. And all of a sudden, he doesn't have 10 million anymore. Now he has 100,000, right? Like these things, they're not as solid as we all like to think. And same thing is true for somebody like me that most of my net worth is tied into my business, right? My business might be a shit, worth a shit ton of money. It might be not a lot of money if it doesn't go well in the next couple of years. Who knows, right? These things are not static and they're also not cash in the bank. Not all the time, at least. And even cash in the bank is not solid. Like if we believe what many smart people believe with the amount of money the world is printing right now, your money in the bank is going to be worth very little money in the next five years, right? It might it might half in value or even worse. So all this has to be considered. But when my money goes, this is the this is the attitude that I want to have. Like this is to me the get rich quick scheme. How to get rich quick is to adjust your attitude, your point of view, your belief system. That's something that you could do from one moment to another. Usually. Most of the time, it just takes an instant and we might change our belief. We might change our attitude or our point of view, or our approach or our mentality about something. So my get rich quick scheme is I want to 
fully embrace an attitude where if my money ever fully goes away, it takes nothing with it other than itself. Like I want to like my money for what I can do with it, but I want my money not attached to anything related to my self-worth, my identity, my quality of life, the amount of happiness or fulfillment I can receive and experience, nothing. I want my money not attached to anything that really is meaningful in my life. I just want it to be money, right? I use it, and if I can have lots of it so I can help and do interesting stuff and help lots of people and protect the people I love, that's awesome. I'm blessed. I'm grateful. But if it ever goes away, it means nothing. It doesn't mean that I'm a nothing now. I'm a failure. I'm not worthy. And it doesn't mean that I need to suffer. I think that is the, rich, the quickest way to truly be rich.